Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. I've got a word from the Lord I'd like to share with you today. I'll tell you ahead of time that I have more scriptural than I typically do. And listen, I, I do a lot of scripture to start with, for sure. I mean, uh, I think that probably a lot of you know that I know, I, I'm actually confident of it, that I do a lot more scripture than, than most people who, who minister the word. But I really think that that's, that's not by accident. I really think that this book has the answers. I don't have the answers. As best as I can do is to give you this. Uh, and, and so I love to examine the Word of God and, and to read from it because that's where the answers are. I tell you, I see people on TV, sometimes they'll give one little scripture or half a scripture and then they go on and speak for an hour. And it's like, wow, you know what? <laughs> that's no good. Because the Word of God, that's where the answers are. Whatever natural gifting I have is nothing, 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 nothing compared to what's in this book, nothing. And so, and so we're going to read even more than I typically do, uh, and so I want the Word of God to minister to you. Well, first, we're going to start off with something a little bit different. Uh, if you have a smartphone, pull it out right now if you can, if everybody's got a smartphone. Now, it's like, wow, I don't usually ask you to pull out your smartphone in the, in the service. <clears throat> If you, if you don't have a smartphone, that's okay. Uh, but if you have one, I'll pull it out and, and, and go to your calculator app. Your calculator app. Okay, great. Now that you have your, your phones out with the, your calculator app, I want you to think of a three or a four-digit number. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be your year of birth. It could be the last four of your social security number. I'm not going to ask. <laughs> if anybody asks for your social security number, don't give it to them. You understand, there's a lot of crime out there. Flat, you know, four digits or maybe the three digits from your address at home or something. Any three or four digit number doesn't make any difference, but something that you can remember. Okay, so whatever that number is, go ahead and put it into your calculator. I'll put mine in. Okay, and follow my instructions carefully. Take that number and double it. So times two. Mm -hmm. Now add 24 plus 24 equals. Mm -hmm. Okay, now divide it in half. Divide it by two. Mm -hmm. Now subtract the number that you started with, the original number that you started with, so minus Whatever the number is that you started with, it asks you to remember. 
And now divide by four. The answer is three. Right? <laughs> now, if you, if you didn't happen to get three, you probably made a little calculation mistake. Did anybody get three? Wave your hand at me. Okay, everybody got three. Wow. Isn't that amazing? And you all started off with just completely different numbers. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Now, it sounds like a very complex equation. You can put your phones back up. Some of you are like, whoa, what just happened here? It sounds like a very complex equation, but the math is actually much simpler. The math is actually much simpler than it looks, and the answer is always the same. Isaiah chapter 1, please. I want to tell you about what today is. It's a pretty interesting Shabbat on the Hebrew calendar. I talked uh, maybe last week uh, about dates. God, it's interesting. All you have to do is look in his word, even a cursory looking through it, and you'll find that God is really into dates and really into places. Uh, Evelyn's coming with me to Israel this uh, coming up. I've got some other people. Viviana's coming with me to Israel coming up in October. I've got, got a number of people come with me in October to, to Israel. And one of the things that I will say in Israel is places matter. And that place matters most of all. Places matter. Dates and times also matter. It's very interesting. On the Hebrew calendar, this particular Shabbat is called Shabbat Chazon. Shabbat Chazon, which is the Shabbat of vision. The Shabbat of vision. Now I could say that even with the radio voice. Shabbat of vision. Vision, vision. And it sounds cool, man. Vision, you know. It's, it's, I love that word. And, and uh, without a vision, the people perish. And, and that's really, and it sounds cool, Shabbat of vision. But in particular, this particular Shabbat of vision, Shabbat Chazon, is actually not so cool. Why? Well, Shabbat Chazon is known as the Shabbat that immediately precedes Tisha B'Av, Tisha B'Av, which is tomorrow. And Tisha B'Av, of course, as I talked about last Shabbat, is the saddest day on the Hebrew or Jewish calendar. No doubt about that. Tisha B'Av, literally meaning the ninth of the Av, Av, the month of Av on the, the Hebrew calendar, on that exact same date is when the, both the first and the second temples were destroyed, same day. In addition to lots of other horrific things happened in, in Jewish people's history. But the vision that is spoken of today, the Shabbat of vision, it sounds really great, but the vision that's spoken of about this particular Shabbat is from our Haftarah reading, which is from Isaiah, Yeshayahu Isaiah. Because it is the vision that the Lord gave him about the judgment of Jerusalem. Okay, so, so as you're, you're following me on this. That's why this Shabbat is, is set up this way as the Shabbat of vision. It's remembering the vision that God gave Isaiah about the destruction of Jerusalem and we read it when immediately the Shabbat right before Tisha B'Av, where these horrific things happened, including both temples were destroyed. Okay, let's go ahead and go to Isaiah chapter 1 now, and we'll begin to read some about this vision. 
In fact, Isaiah 1.1, is, it talks about it, it says it's a vision of, uh, from the Lord from, uh, to Isaiah. That's where the Shabbat name comes from, Shabbat Chazon. But I want you to listen as we read, as we begin to read through Isaiah chapter 1, and God gives Isaiah this vision, and, and God is not happy. Get ready. Ooh, boy, it ain't pretty. I want you to listen to how God was fed up with our Jewish people's rebellion and sinfulness. It's, it's, I want you to feel a little bit of how God feels about this. That's what I want to convey to you. God is fed up. Isaiah chapter 1, starting in verse 2. Listen, heavens and earth, and hear, for Adonai has spoken. So here's what Adonai says. Here it comes. God is talking to our people. Sons I have raised and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its manager, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Oh, a sinful nation, a people weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons dealing corruptly. They have abandoned Adonai. They have despised Israel's Holy One. They have turned backwards. Oof. Man, God is not having, you, you, you can tell, man, he's, he's, he's not pleased at all. Can you hear God's displeasure with the Jewish people? And, and, and honestly, to me, uh, Paul, as I look at this, it's more than just displeasure. It sounds like God is genuinely hurt by our people turning our backs on him. And, and understandably so. I mean, let's face it. God did so much for our people. Remember when I brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Remember, I gave you this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, as an inheritance, as an eternal inheritance. The throne, the everlasting throne will be the throne of David. God did so much for our people. And how did we repay him? We turn our backs on him. We, iniquity, as he says, and, and, and you can tell God is not happy. It's like, after all this, you've got to be kidding me. It, it almost, you can almost feel like the hurt of God that, that our people would do this after how good he's been to us. After how good he's been to us. It's interesting, as I, as I reflect on this, and if you look at a lot of the prophets, that's, that's a theme of a lot of the prophets, Right? And it's so interesting because our Jewish people, a lot of, there's a significant chunk of the book that articulates our people blowing it. <laughs> it's so interesting. It's like, wow, you know, the, the difference between the Jewish people and every other people in the world is that when we blew it, it's in the book. It's in the bestseller of all time. <laughs> it's like, ay, ay, ay. You know, all of our foibles are, are on display right here. But it's not just us, is it? In fact, what God says next in Isaiah chapter 1 is even more demonstrative of his hurt. You can, he you can hear it. Because in the next portion, 
he calls out our people's abject hypocrisy. Our abject hypocrisy. And it's clear that he is really disgusted by it. There's not another word. He's disgusted by our people's hypocrisy. Get ready. I want you to hear it, but I want you to feel it too. And, and he, what, what he is most upset about, as you're going to hear, is, is the hypocrisy of our people. Let's skip down to verse 11, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 11. Mm, here he goes. Get ready. God would say, For what is it to me, the multitude of your sacrifices? Says Adonai, I am full of burnt offerings, of rams, and of fat, of fed animals. I have no delight in the blood of bulls or lambs or he goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this at your hand, trampling my courts? Bring no more worthless offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moon and Shabbat, the calling of convocations, I cannot endure it. Iniquity with solemn assembly. Your new moons and your festivals my soul hates. They are a burden to me. I am weary to hear them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. When you multiply prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Whew. Man. Right, Shelley? Whoa. It's like, man, those first few verses were bad enough. But now, man, he's just absolutely, this is not a small, as my family would say in our home, not a small pow-pow. <laughs> this is a big pow-pow. Whoa, that, I mean, this, this is some serious discipline he's laying out right there. Wow. Now, of course you understand, my friends, that God is not truly rejecting these observances because it was he who actually created them. No, he detests them because they are being done ingenuously. God says what? One of the, the key points in that scripture that's revelatory as to exactly what he's trying to say is, is he says he cannot endure iniquity with solemn assembly. Do, do you see this? He said, I can't endure it. You're trying to do solemn assembly. You're trying to do Shabbat and festivals and, and trying to do these good things, but you're trying to do this while you're bringing iniquity in it? No, 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 I, no, no, I hate that stuff. I hate what you're trying to do. That's a strong word. God doesn't say he hates that all often. He hates it. He says he cannot endure it. In other words, we as a people had our feet in two camps, saying we loved God on the one hand and on the other hand rejecting his commandments and instructions so that we could do what our heart pleased. This is what we did. We were, we were straddling the fence. You know, on, on the one hand, we were trying, you know, doing lip service to God, right? But a lot of phony baloney. Why? Because the other leg was out doing sinful, iniquitous things. You put your right foot in, you put your right foot out, you put your, that was my left foot. Okay, so you understand. You shake it all about. Our people were doing the hokey pokey, that's what I'm saying. It's very, very deep in the Hebrew. Yoel could share that with you later. I mean, he could, the hokey pokey. Our people were not being right before God. 
this, this, this hypocritical actions that they were constantly taking. But my friends, this is the state of many people today as well. This is not just ancient history. No, my friends, claiming to believe in God but rejecting what he says in his word, God is not entertained. God is not pleased when we do such things. He is not fooled either. I mean, let's face it, a country that has on its money in God we trust and yet which celebrates iniquity and perversion. A nation that claims moral superiority yet aborts its own babies. A people that claim to follow God but where discrimination, prejudices, and anti-Semitism are still rampant. Such a wealthy country but where poverty prospers. Wow, what, what, does, what does all this sound like as, as we talk about it and as we think about it in that context? Well, my friends, scarily, America sounds a lot like Isaiah 1. That's frightening, isn't it? But, but, but look at the comparisons. Iniquity with solemn assembly. I cannot endure it, God says. When, you, when we try to put one foot in and one foot out of serving God, you see this all over the place in the world today, especially in America, sadly. And also, sadly, all too often, even in our individual lives, there can be this creep of the world that comes in that pulls us so that we are no longer two feet in but we start to slip that other foot out a little bit. You want to know who sounds just like the God of Isaiah 1? I'll tell you, somebody who sounds just like the God of Isaiah 1, Yeshua. Matthew 23, Matthew 23, please. As we look at the words of Moshiach, Messiah, Yeshua, I want you to contrast that to what God, Adonai, the Father, said through the prophet Isaiah about how disturbed he was at our people's <clears throat> kind of phoniness, really. It's so interesting. People have this misconception in the believing world oftentimes uh, of the Bible, and they think that the Tanakh, the Old Covenant, is all law, and the New Covenant is all grace. F false narrative. The whole Bible is both law and grace. That's the whole book, my friends. The grace and mercy of God. Oh, he's a good God. So what do we hear in, in Matthew chapter 23? Well, listen to this. Verse, we'll, we'll go to verse 27. It's much of the chapter, really. But verse 27. See how this compares with the tone, tenor, and content of Isaiah 1. Here we go, verse 27. Yeshua says, Woe to you, Torah scholars and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way you appear righteous to men on the outside, but are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. My goodness, what a similarity. That's essentially the exact same message as Isaiah chapter 1. It is the identical point. 
that God is making. Very, very interesting. God does not like it in any way, shape, or form when we say one thing with our mouth and do another thing with our feet. We see this over and over in Scripture. We have to be genuine and not hypocritical. James chapter 3. This is a message to us. You know, it's so interesting. As I look at this message, y'all, I see that Isaiah 1 is a message for the children of Israel back when. Matthew 23 is a message to our people and the people that were around Yeshua of, of his day in the first century. But really, this whole point is a message for us today. And we can see this also in James chapter 3, because there has to be an answer. There has to be an answer for this. As we see this this conflict that goes on within people, I I used to uh, listen to an old music group, a believing music group called Petra, and they they had a song called Jekyll and Hyde. Okay, which, which talked about there's this battle that's going on inside, and, and the song said, sometimes I feel like Jekyll, and sometimes I feel like Hyde, and there's this battle that's going on within me, and it's the spirit nature versus the flesh, right? This, this conflict that is within us, how is it resolved? What is the answer? There's got to be an answer to this, because it's not just about them. It's also about us. What do we have in our own lives that might turn God's stomach? Much like our people did. James 3, verse 7. For every species of beasts and birds, reptiles, sea creatures, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Adonai and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the image of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. Brothers and sisters, these things should not be. Uh Uh-oh, ouch. Watch your toes. (laughs) Because sadly, this is often, too often, is us also. We need to examine ourselves to see where the hypocrisy lives where we are two-faced, where we sometimes fall short. Because none of us are perfect. And oftentimes we fall short. You know, it's such a powerful message. And, and let's face it, one of the things that gets us in the most trouble in our lives spiritually is our tongue. And, and do you see, that's actually the same message as Isaiah 1 and Matthew 23 also. Right, I, I, iniquity plus solemn assembly. I, I detest it. I cannot endure it. Iniquity plus solemn assembly. You can't put those two things together. Out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. Brothers, this should not be. Do you see? It's the same message. It's the same point that God is making over and over. We can't be duplicitous. We can't be hypocritical. Friends, we as humanity need an answer for this, for this conflict that is within us, a solution to the problem. So what is the answer? It's interesting because here on Shabbat Chazon, the Shabbat of vision, where we know Tishabav is about to happen, my rabbinic Jewish friends have their own answer. And it's interesting because as I was preparing for today and the Shabbat, I started digging deep into some of the rabbinic writings regarding this particular Shabbat, Shabbat Chazon. And it's interesting the conclusion they came to 
Because on Shabbat Chazon, which is also known historically amongst our people as the Black Sabbath, when Tisha B'Av is about to happen, ultra-Orthodox masters say that Jews, they say that Jews are mystically given a sneak peek of the third temple. They said even if, if a Jewish person does physically see it, they say our souls see it, and that we are inspired to reach for it. And how are we to reach for it? How are our people supposed to reach for it? That which is the third temple, because the first and second temple were destroyed, right? As one distinguished and, and scholarly ancient Hasidic rabbi said, quote, when you live accordance with Torah, this special temple will be yours. When you live in accordance with Torah, this temple will be yours. Here's my response to that. No! That's not the answer. That's what they think is the answer. That's not the answer, my friends. Our people already tried this. Our people already tried this over and over. My friends, we can't do it. We can't do it. It doesn't matter how good we try to be, our works. We can never work hard enough that we deserve the third temple, so to speak. What is the third temple? It really represents the coming of the Messiah. We don't deserve this. We can't follow it well enough. We tried. We tried, we failed, we tried, we failed, we tried, we failed. Have you read the book? No, my friends. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't continue to try. We should. We absolutely should. But we can't be good enough because we can't follow the Torah perfectly. Only one did ever follow the Torah perfectly. His name is Yeshua. Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah is, is a wonderful, powerful prophecy which alludes to this and prophesies about this. Jeremiah chapter 31, one of the most powerful messianic prophecies. Yermiyahu, listen to what God says through the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 31, verse 30. In this, we're starting to see what the true answer is. Verse 30 says this, Behold, the days are coming. It is a declaration of Adonai. God is saying this, right? He's saying, when I will make a new covenant, Brit Chadashah, a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers, and the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, a declaration of Adonai. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, a declaration of Adonai. I will put my Torah within them, Yes, I will write it on their heart. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will each teach his neighbor or each his brother saying, No, Adonai, for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. It is a declaration of Adonai, for I will forgive their iniquity, their sin I will remember no more. Ah, okay, now we're starting to get somewhere, brothers and sisters. Beloved, right? Marvel, we're starting to get somewhere now. This is the answer. The answer is a new covenant. Something on the inside not external works, something internal that happens. Hear me and understand me, that does not discount the importance of works. 
Works are of incredible importance and, and are the evidence of our faith. Okay, works are, are very important and, and we should be following the word. That should be our 100% goal. But that's not what saves us. Works don't save us. Why? Because we can't ever be good enough. This is the answer. It's a new covenant, something on the inside that happens. Now let's go back to Isaiah chapter 1, and it's going to make more sense. That, that, that chapter that's so intense and hard, it's going to make more sense. Guess what? It's exactly what God says as part of the vision to Isaiah in this same original chapter. Right after God says that he detests the hypocritical way we were following the Torah and tells us that our hands were stained with blood, then he says this. In the midst of this chiding, in the midst of this rebuke, in the midst of this discipline, in the midst of this, of this hurt, and, and even the anger of God that's coming against us for being disobedient to him, and, 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 and this hypocrisy, which is just so distasteful to him, then in the midst of all that, he says this, verse 16, wash and make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your deeds from my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Relieve the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, says Adonai, though your sins be like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they will become like wool. Oh my goodness. Yeah, there's serious grace in the, in the Tanakh as well, isn't there? <laughs> we don't deserve that. <laughs> we don't deserve that in any way, shape, or form. We don't deserve that. You see what God is saying here? This has to be something that happens on the inside. Because at the end of the day, the answer is not about ritual practice. It's not about the length of our seat seat or the nuances of our liturgy. It's about our hearts. And by the way, this isn't just a Messianic Jewish problem that we have to solve. This is, a, this is within the entire body of Messiah for our Christian brothers and sisters also. It's not about talking a good game or merely praying over your meals. No, the answer is something changing on the inside. It's about this new covenant. That's what this has to be about, my friends. John chapter 8. I love this story about Yeshua, this famous story. But it reveals some of what the answer is to this dilemma that we have. This dilemma that, that, we, that we want to, you know, have one, one foot in one world and one foot in the other. And we tend to be hypocritical, but, but, but we can't do it on our own. What we need is the grace and mercy of Hashem, the grace and mercy of God. That's what we need in our lives. That will give us, that will empower us and give us the ability to follow him more, with more strength, stronger, Listen to what happened here. You know this story. John chapter 8, Yochanan, verse 3. The Torah scholars and Pharisees bring in a woman who had been caught in adultery. After putting her in the middle, they say to Yeshua, Rabbi, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of committing adultery. In the Torah, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? Wow. Now they were saying this to trap him so that they would have grounds to accuse him. 
But Yeshua knelt down and started writing in the dirt with his finger. When they kept asking him, he stood up and said, The sinless one among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he knelt down again and continued writing on the ground. Now when they heard, they began to leave one by one, the oldest ones first, until Yeshua, Yeshua was left alone with a woman in the middle. Straightening up, Yeshua said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Yeshua said. Go and sin no more. See, my friends, Yeshua came as part of a new covenant, chadash, a new covenant, to give us grace and mercy, a sincerity on the inside, a changed person. But at the same time, notice that it's not what people refer to as cheap grace. Some people continue to sin because, oh, I'll just ask for forgiveness. I'll just sin and ask for forgiveness. No, 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 no. We read in the scriptures, should we continue to sin so that grace may abound? God forbid, scripture says. No. Yeshua said, hey, listen, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. Sin no more. You see? There's the grace and mercy of God in as much as we cannot do it within ourselves. But as we receive the grace and mercy of God that he gives us, it should change us on the inside so that we sin less. Our heart's desire is not going to be to have this foot in the world in this area or that area, but more and more to, to do the electric slide. Maybe that's in the world. I don't know. I'm sorry about that. You know what I'm saying? To slide the foot out of the world and into the Lord, to, to have both feet planted in the Lord and, and doing what he tells us to do. Because for all of our issues, all of your issues, friends, the answer is Yeshua. Yeshua is the answer. He is the answer to this dilemma, 2 Corinthians 5. He is the answer to this dilemma, this, this conflict that's going on within you. This tendency to sometimes... Be hypocritical. And you know, for some of you, I really believe that it's not even always intentional. I don't think that, I don't think that most believers intend to be hypocritical. Some do, but some, they just, you know, they, 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 they may love God, right, Linda, right? But yet, what? They slide into their flesh. But then they, they kind of compartmentalize, right? I see that all the time. I know you do too when you counsel people. People will tend to compartmentalize. Well, this is my holy kind of righteous self, and this is this other stuff I do that I don't like to talk about. This is when I'm at shul. This is when I'm on my computer. You know? This is when I'm at temple. This is when I'm at work with my buds after work, right? This is the language I use at Bethel. This is the language I use when I'm not at Bethel, and I'm on 285. <laughs> <laughs> from the same tongue come blessing and cursing. Brothers and sisters, this should not be. <laughs> ah, beloved, Messiah Yeshua is the answer, and he is your answer. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, If anyone is in Messiah, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, new. 
entirely new, unrelated to the old, in fact. The old sin in your life has to pass away. It has to remain only in the past. Your walk needs to be genuine and sincere. And if you have made mistakes, I'm not saying it's okay that you made the mistakes. It's not okay to rebel against God. But ask for forgiveness and then go and sin no more. God is merciful to you. He's graceful to you. Go and sin no more. You are a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. This is the answer. Moshiach, Messiah, is the answer. He can change you on the inside. He can do what we can't do, and that's live perfectly. He lived perfectly so that he was an atonement for us, and through him, we have the, that cleansing that we need. The psalmist today said, cleanse my lips. Only God can do this. We don't have the ability in and of ourselves. It doesn't absolve us of the commandment to follow his instructions. We still have to follow his instructions. In fact, more so and more so, but as he forgives us and as he gives us grace and mercy, it should want you to serve him and follow his commandments all the more because he's so merciful to us. Let's conclude with 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Just a couple of verses later because finally, Chavarim, Here's the last point I want to make today is that we actively need to share this answer with others because it's man's nature to vacillate between good and evil. And I'm going to tell you something, beloved. The world out there is looking for the answer. I was watching yesterday on the, on the Japanese channel. There's, there's a Japanese cable channel, which has some very interesting things on it, my in any case, uh, some things, you know, sumo wrestling and all that stuff too, but, but all, all I'm saying is the Japanese channel. And I was watching this week, and, and it was uh, this, this monastery in, in Japan where it was called the, the, the sitting monastery. I, I'm not making this stuff up. I just saw this stuff. And, and, and what it is is that they have you like, don't talk, just sit. And, and when I say sit, I mean sit for sometimes weeks where it's like 15, 16 hours a day, you're just sitting there, not speaking. And, and I was just watching that, fascinated with it. And, and they, inter, they were interviewing people. It was a documentary. And uh, with, of course, the, the, the words underneath the translation. And they asked some of the people after a year, two years. And, and the people, it's like every one of them they interviewed, they were being very honest, said, I kind of think this is a waste of my time just sitting here. For, for It's like, oh, really? Wow. It's, it's a shame it cost you two years of your life to figure that out, right? But they, they, person after person said, I don't think I'm going to stay. It's just, I, I'm, I'm no further than when I started. All I've been doing is sitting for a couple weeks. And, and it just struck me as I looked at these, at these people who were sincerely trying. I mean, they were trying to find enlightenment. They were trying to find truth. And of course, it wasn't there. But truly, the world is looking for the answer. The world really is looking for the answer, whether they know it consciously or not. And, beloved, we have the answer. Verse 19. That is, in Messiah, God was reconciling the world to himself, 
not counting their trespasses against them. And he has entrusted the message of reconciliation to us. We are therefore ambassadors for Messiah, as though God were making his appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Messiah, be reconciled to God. He made the one who knew no sin to become a sin offering on our behalf, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow, that's powerful. It says that we are ambassadors. You are an ambassador for Messiah. You are an ambassador. Wow, an ambassador. I'm an ambassador. You know, if you're an ambassador for the United States of America, what do you do? You represent the United States of America. When you're an ambassador of the United States to a different country, when you are in that other country, you're, you're, there's not a time where you're like completely off duty. If you're the ambassador, when you go to dinner at a restaurant, you never know. Somebody's going to come up to you and you're going to have to represent the United States. Some issue comes up, you got to represent the interests of the United States. The politicians, whatever it is, at any moment, you're representing the United States. you got to be ready and, and you got to take care as to how you are holding yourself because you know you're representing the United States. That's what an ambassador does. It says here in the Word that we are ambassadors of God. All of us are ambassadors of God to others. We have to be ready at any time to share the truth of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. we got to start sharing the good news of Messiah with others to be his ambassadors. But, you know, just like an ambassador, an ambassador can't go and, 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 and get, get trashed at the local pub because he won't be an ambassador very long. you got to hold yourself, right? They'll say, boy, that's, that's the ambassador of the United States, from the United States, that guy, the guy on, on, on the floor. No, that one doesn't work. Of course not. You know you have responsibilities, friends. We have responsibilities as ambassadors. We got to tell people about the forgiveness of our sins, the need to become a new creation, the truth that we can't do it in ourselves alone, that we need the Messiah as our answer. We need Moshiach to change us on the inside because, friends, life is hard. If there's anything these 18 months have taught us, the life is very hard. Mental health care is just out, out the roof in terms of the number of people. People are hurting out there. And in life, friends, you know this, there are many hard questions. Many hard questions. We can't be phony in life. We can't do it ourselves. We have to be genuine and turn to God who makes all things, including us, new because in the end it's about God in the end it's about God the Father the Son and the Ruach HaKodesh the Holy Spirit because my friends in life the equation may seem complicated but the answer is always three The title of my message is The Answer. Let's bow our heads. I want to ask if there's anybody here today who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart. If you've never given your life to God, but you'd like to today, raise your hand and we'll have a simple prayer. If you've never turned your life over to the Lord, just raise your hand and we'll pray together. Don't let anything get in your way. Well, Rabbi, I'm Jewish. 
Oh, the Jewish Messiah certainly came for the Jewish people. Rabbi, I'm not Jewish. Oh, that's the beauty. Yeshua came for the whole world, Jew and Gentile alike. We are Jew and Gentile, one in Messiah. We all need help. We all need a Savior. Mm. I want to pray for each and every one of us who are here today that the Lord will move in our lives more as we become more like Yeshua. Please, God, that should be our goal. But relying on the grace and mercy of God, the areas in our lives where there is that hypocrisy, which we can see, man, that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous thing to do. It's a dangerous place to be. Boy, have the fear of the Lord enough to say, boy, I can't keep doing this. Why? Isaiah 1, Matthew 23, James. We can't, we can't, we can't keep doing this. We have to become holy as he is holy. But the way we do this, the answer, is through Messiah Yeshua. It's through Yeshua, our Messiah. So if there are areas in your life where you feel like, man, maybe I've been slipping a little bit too much in the world, maybe in my thinking, maybe in my, my temper, lust, not being truthful, Whatever it is, our, our language, what, whatever it is where we've slipped a little too much in the world and where there's solemn assembly and iniquity that's trying to coexist, where there's blessing and cursing that's from the same tongue, it may not have even been your intent, but maybe the message is encouraging you, you've got you to slide back in two feet. And the only way to do that is with the Messiah. The Messiah will help you. Why? Because you are a new creation. You see how it all works? You are a new creation. The old has passed. The new has come. you got to make sure to let that old pass. Let that old go. Let that old you go, that, that fleshly nature go. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The, the, the Shabbat of vision. <laughs> yes, is the vision of Isaiah, but it also includes... Isaiah 1, where it says, though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. Thank you, Lord. God bless us all. Thank you for this wonderful Shabbat. Thank you for everybody who's here. And we thank you for these things. B'Shem Yeshua, in the name of our Messiah, should we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. 
God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.